2: It's a Numbers Game with your host, Gil Alexander.
4: Do you want those
5: idiots who believe in
4: analytics? It is a Numbers Game on a Wednesday morning. Good Wednesday morning to you. It's Gil Alexander. How you doing? Big show today, packed with guests. Jason Copper, producer number seven, is here as well. Jason, what's happening? Good morning, Gil. How are you? I am good. Flooding the zone with guests all morning. Andy McNeil on game two of the Stanley Cup final, singular. Um, I don't know that he'll have a play on the the game itself because all of his lightning thoughts before the final came through in Game 1 manifested. So that value has sort of uh, gone away. But he's got some uh, ways to play Game 2 creatively. We'll talk to him. Brady Cannon on golf. Jason Weingarten and Josh Towers both on Major League Baseball. Dan Weston on Wimbledon. Yes, indeed, Dan Weston uh, from across the pond at Tennis Ratings. And at Wimbledon, that has been very choppy for us because for as many things that have gone our way, Tiafo and Stroof, plus the sets, we've gotten the worst of, of variants. We lost a five-setter uh, in a 12-12 tiebreaker uh, on uh, Rinderknecht. And then we had uh, Zapata Marías as a dog yesterday. It got suspended. We were up two sets to one. And then when they resumed this morning, completely different match. He got rolled. I don't know that he would have won but doesn't feel good anyway with suspensions. So it's been choppy for us. We'll we'll get Dan's thoughts on everything going on there. The big headline in tennis, like it is in basketball, which we'll get to momentarily, injuries. One, Adrian Monarino, who was beating Roger Federer and pretty good up two sets to one in his first-round match against one of the greatest players of all time. He slips at the baseline on center court, damages his knee, tried to go on, couldn't. Federer goes through. And then, perhaps more famously, yesterday, Serena Williams, which didn't look nearly as bad of an injury as it did uh, with Manorino, didn't look as bad. Uh, she couldn't go on. She was up three-one, then it was three-three, and she just couldn't. She couldn't uh, operate at that point, and she had to withdraw. Which means that Ash Barty is now the uh, the short shot on the women's side, uh, which means. By the way, is, all, all kinds of names losing at Wimbledon. Isner lost this morning, which means Berrettini futures. The Berrettini futures we have looking all that much better in his quarter. Um, what else? What else? Um, I don't know. Just a whole, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Isner went to An- Anisimova and Andrescu. Both went down um, on the ladies' side. Jason Kahn, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is just behind the curtain here, producing another show. Do you, do you, do you not have his Skype? Do you not have... We, you got it. Okay. All right. Just checking. Uh, well, we try to get our first guest on. So there have been upsets. And again, that's the whole story with Wimbledon early. And we'll talk to Dan about it is tread lightly. There's no... Again, there's no grass court data volume to really rely on. So there's going to be... Even when you think you know something, tread lightly. Some will go your way. Some won't hear... Um, which is pretty much what we expected. Uh, In basketball, though, that is obviously the injury story that most are aware of. Last night, the Atlanta Hawks tie it up in their best-of-seven series with the Milwaukee Bucks, two games apiece, two games apiece in their best-of-seven series with a 110-88 win over the Bucks in a game where Giannis Antetokounmpo in the Third quarter, hyper-extended his left leg. It was a little alley-oop pass that was short to him. He came down, funny, hyper-extended his left leg. The spate of injuries in this NBA postseason is just off the charts. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. We will never see another postseason like this in any sport. We've never seen one. We're unlikely to see another one like this ever again. If you are a superstar, injury will find you. We're awaiting word on uh, Kempo's injury now. He's getting uh, imaging done today. We'll find out if he will be available for Game 5 in this series back in Milwaukee tomorrow night. We don't know about Trey Young, who couldn't play at all last night. He was a scratch before this game. But even with Kempo in, what was that performance from the Bucks? What, what was that? It's just unbelievable. So at this point in the playoffs, as we sit here on a Wednesday morning with the, the Hawks and the Bucks in the East tied at two games apiece, and the Clippers trailing the Suns 3-2 to two with, the, with that game six tonight back in L.A. L.A. tries to tie it up at three apiece. If I told you any one of these four won the NBA championship at this point, would you be all that shocked? One, Bucks and, Bucks and Hawks series. If I told you Kempo could play and Trey Young couldn't, you could see the Bucks getting through all the way. If I told you Kempo couldn't, but Trey Young could, you could see the Hawks at least getting through this series and maybe having a shot. And then out of the West, and by the way, just a reminder, this is a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network, Visa.com, the Visa app, however you're taking us in today, Fubo's Lane Game Plus, iHeartRadio, however, it's Gil Alexander. If I told you in the West um, that Phoenix would go all the way because they're up 3 to 2, you'd believe that. But then if I told you the Clippers somehow managed to come back like they did the other day and somehow get this series done and maybe get Kawhi back for the finals, they'd win it going away. So I, I don't, it's just a complete crapshoot at this point. Uh We'll talk about both now with uh point spread weekly contributor and the, not the first time on a numbers game, but the first time on with me anyway. It's our own will hill how you doing will
1: What's up, Gil? I've been waiting to come on. I'm a huge fan of the show. A huge fan of you. This is like you know having a crush on a girl, and you figure one day she'll be drunk enough, she'll be desperate enough where you have a chance. And today you are that drunk, that that girl. I don't know how that analogy makes you feel. It might maybe a little uncomfortable, oh, but uh, I'm happy to be on with you.
4: I am strangely, I'm strangely comfortable and interestingly drunk. Also, it's, it's interesting. I'm doing this whole show drunk. Uh, you 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 DM'd me. It was very funny. you were like, yeah, I went to sleep for a couple hours. Anybody else get hurt? I mean, that is really. I, obviously it's the story, it's, it's unbelievable. We were on primetime action talking about all the injuries going on and how this is just the most ridiculous thing. It's a war of attrition is the phrase that I've used. And then as we're talking, Antet- Antetokounmpo goes down and it's like, if, I, if we submitted that as a script, right? Like they would reject it. They'd be like, that's ridiculous. That's not gonna happen that way. But yet it does, it's incredible. What do you make of any of this at this point? Like, let's start with tonight. Phoenix and the Clippers. Actually, let's start with Atlanta and Milwaukee before we get to that. Atlanta and Milwaukee tomorrow night. There is a line for this, surprisingly. It was four and a half in favor of Milwaukee. It's gone down to three. It's now settling in at three and a half. What what do you do with that? We know nothing.
1: Just going to take a deep breath and think about it. I mean, I'm not ready to jump on anything. I think you made a good point. If any of these four teams won it, you wouldn't be surprised. I think he would actually... I think the Bucks would probably be, they go to the back of the line at this point, just because I think I, I would make Giannis a huge underdog to play again in this series, in this season. Any type of knee injury. I mean, look, a, a two, three week injury is a season ending injury at this point. I just, I have a hard time seeing the way he fall, fell yesterday. I mean, I, I saw the report, the Bucks fear it's something serious even if it's mild, it's going to knock them out for the rest of the season. Um, I go back to, it was a Sunday during football season. It was like November, and I got a text from a buddy. It's like, oh, they're going to start the season, the NBA season, a week or two before December. And I text him back. I said, no, no, you, you read it wrong. You got your facts wrong. Uh, they're thinking January, February. You know, they couldn't start in December, obviously. And, and I read a little more about what he was reading. And sure enough, they started December. My, my first thought, my first response was, wait, how? Like, everyone, they can't do this. The season just ended. You're just asking asking for trouble and they've gotten trouble here. And, and, you know, this time last year, we were still basically a month away from getting sports back. So it's better than having no sports, but man, they really did this to themselves. The NBA its just, it's really a diminished product. I mean, the Lakers won the title, I think October 10th or 11th, they're playing preseason games. I think late November, early December, it's just NBA kind of got what they asked for here Uh, going forward. Your guess is as good as mine.
4: So you buy into the LeBron thing, like we shouldn't have started this early. Like he looks sort of uh, like a sage with his, uh, who knows, right? Maybe, maybe that's right. Uh, I heard
1: the idea too, that you could have staggered at the teams that were in the bubble the longest. See, my whole approach coming into the season was fade the teams that were in the bubble the longest, uh, play the unders for the good teams because these teams are going to rest. You have to worry about COVID. No, you weren't going to see a team go on a torrid pace. I, I thought the regular season was going to be what it turned out to be, which is basically preseason disguised as regular season. And yeah, I do think they should have should have spaced it out more. I mean, that was a lot. It's a lot of games in a short amount of time.
4: Let me let me go back to the Bucks thing. So even before Giannis's injury last night, the Bucks much much like how the Suns' performance in Game Five was peculiar, um, this was very the the Bucks looked terrible. And I said last night on on prime with Matt, uh, Danielle, and uh, and Kelly, I was like. This is an NBA champion like this team that looks this bad in the first half scored 38 points, 16 in the second quarter against a Trey Youngless Hawks team might end up the NBA champion like, you know, and I don't want to go to Jordan's Bulls and Birds Celtics and Magic's Lakers or whatever great NBA team you want to cite because obviously that comparison is just laughable. But that team, even if they had Giannis would win an NBA title, I just—it's—it's it's unbelievable to think about that because great champions don't lay an egg like that.
1: And I know a lot of smart betters that liked him to win it all, even before the Nets series where the Nets were at full strength. Um, and you're right. And this was a team that was a uh, you know, historically good team a couple years ago. Great point differentials. I think we've seen they don't have the same depth. You know, even the guys like the Marvin Williams and, and Corver, those teams a couple years ago, they went seven, eight, nine deep, where this year they're really, they're really shorter than that. Defencenzo that injury hurts them. Now, Jan Williams. It's a short team, and they can't shoot. I mean, I think it was 8-for-39-for-3 yesterday. Uh, Okay, one bad game, but it's really not. I mean, I think it was 8-for-35 game one. They had a five for 31 from three against Miami in game one of that series. They just can't shoot. They missed a million shots against the Nets. They just, they really have a hard time shooting. They're not a good shooting team. And, you know, much like football in the NFL, it's a passing league. It's a, it's a three point shooting league. If you can't shoot, you got
4: problems. Yeah. It's very, like I said, many times, if you, if you can just get access to those three point stats at the end of a game, I could give you 98% of winners uh, in the NBA. Oftentimes just comes down to that. Uh, nothing on the total there either tomorrow night, 217 and a half. So I guess you, it's just it's a, at this point, it's a total stay away.
1: I need a deep breath. I need a, yeah. a second to take, take it all in. I did think uh, without Trey Young, you know, you, you see this with the fallen hero theory. Sometimes they, they lose the best player and the, the rest of the team rallies, especially at home. So you can make the case that the, the Bucks will rally tomorrow. But you could also make the case, man, we lost our best player, and if we get the news that he's out for the rest of the season, it could deflate them that they think their chances of winning a title are out the window, or maybe they're not. Maybe a couple injuries, and they're the favorite even without Giannis. Who the hell knows at this point? Yeah. But, uh, I- yeah, I think you could go either way. I did think the, the Hawks looked a little more athletic without Young. He played uh, a Okongu. I think that's how you pronounce it right. And uh you got Chris Dunn a little more. They got Cam Reddish back. Bogdanovich looked the best he's looked, I thought, since the Philly series. He hit some threes. So, I think sometimes you lose your best player you can you could pivot and I thought the Hawks pivoted nicely got some more defense and some more athleticism on the court.
4: Jason, do you have the Tom Haberstroh uh, tweak can we show that we'll we'll go to the next we'll go to the uh, Clippers after this. I promise Clippers Suns. But this is Tom Haberstroh on Twitter. If Giannis misses any games due to injury, if he does, he'd be the 10th All-Star. Jeez. Who has been sidelined for at least one game this postseason? The others: Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Embiid, Mike Conley, Jalen Brown, Chris Paul. Previous playoff high was six. I don't even remember when there was six, but that just shows you. I mean, that's an NBA All Star team. That's a that's two starting you know two, two starting teams. In an NBA All Star game, it's just unbelievable. All right. Well, so, we could have
1: an, a couple of guys off the bench too. Jamal Murray before that. Right. Clay Thompson before that. I mean, it's just it's crazy. It right. Really people
4: is. people don't people don't talk about Clay. Right. Like that colored yeah. the whole season. One could argue. Uh, you did re, you did write a piece. By the way, we're talking to Will Hill here on a numbers game at uh, at Veasan. Thrilled to have him on the show. By the way, just want to point out. Uh, you, very kind words from you, Will. At the at the outset, let me pass those back to you. You wrote a piece at Point Spread Weekly. Uh, entitled Clippers to force Game Seven. So, as far as tonight's game, you do seem to have conviction.
1: Yeah, I don't write the headlines. I wasn't as convicted when I wrote the wrote the uh, <laughs> the piece. I think the Clippers. It actually comes down to me. I don't know if we know Zubat's status. He's a really good player, but it's kind of like a football team that runs the ball too much. They lose their running back, and they, they start throwing and they they play more effectively almost by accident. I like when the Clippers play small. They get more shooting on the court. They get more spacing. Uh, there, there's more quickness. So I think they're actually better with this small ball lineup. Remember, the small ball lineup really saved their season against Utah. Um, they, they pivoted and went to a smaller lineup, Reggie Jackson. I can't believe how good he's been. So I would think the Clippers get this done tonight. Um, man, you, you can't really question their mental toughness anymore. If, if you count being down 2 0 as an elimination game, and I think you have to because nobody's ever come back from 3-0 this is what seven or eight elimination games they've already won in this postseason down 2-0 to dallas down 3-2 to dallas uh game seven against dallas down 2-0 to utah down 2-0 to phoenix i mean down 3-1 the other night they, this team has been resilient uh, i like what what their small ball lineup presents i think phoenix has really had a hard time scoring at times bookers looked uncomfortable with the mask and mask on and mask off uh, paul you know, I, he's looked a little rusty. I'm, I'm sure he'll shoot better from the mid range. I think that's a little bit of small sample size, but it's tough for the Suns. I think if you're the Clippers, you probably feel like you should be up 3 2. If it weren't for that eight in play, you know, I, I know you could say that affects the rest of the series. And if it was 1 1 going back to LA, maybe the, the rest of the games are different, but. Um, the Clippers have really outplayed them. They, they've outscored them, I think, on the aggregate. Which you know, it, it's not worth much. He'd rather be up three-two and be, be outscored than the other way around. But I like the Clippers. I think we'll see a game seven tonight. Yeah, that's we'll see that. who gets. We'll see who gets hurt tonight. It's like you know, what, it's like it's like the wire. You know, don't get, <laughs> don't get too attached to a character because he's going to end up in prison. Avon's going to end up in prison. You know, Frank Sabatka's going to end up in the water. His truck's under the bridge. You, don't get attached
4: to any of these guys. That's such a great, such a great comparison. The greatest show of all time, by the way. May I just say? that so everybody good. i will not be debated on this subject the finest let me
2: pick
1: let me pick your brain for a second is there any way to exploit these injuries from uh, you know an nba finals market perspective uh finals mvp market cuz i do have paul 30 to 1 in pocket i mean that number's long gone is there anyone down the line you figure all these superstars out is there a long shot sleeper where there's some value there or is that something you know we could look into
4: do we have that market up jason can we throw that up I, you know that was one of those we we looked at briefly the other day and well, Paul first of all has got to start to play better, that's for sure. Yeah. Um but you know, Paul George was thirty to one, and when they were down three to one, uh the, the Clippers, I was like, Well, that's you know, that's not a good number. You can get the Clippers at what, fourteen to one to win it all. Thirty to one on Paul George doesn't seem all that fair. But I don't know what his number is now down three to two, but that's who I brought up the other night as wouldn't he be the one that I would gravitate towards at a, at a pretty juicy number at this point. Obviously, they gotta, they got to still get by the Suns. But of all the, of all the prices, that was the one, to answer your question, that, that interested me the most. Again, I don't know if Kawhi's coming back, if they got there or not. Everything else, like even Chris Middleton was, you know, some people have cited Chris Middleton, oh, he's like at 16-1 or whatever his number was, which wasn't quite as high as George. And I'm like, well, Middleton would have to do, this is again, this is with Giannis when Giannis was with us, right? that Middleton would have to have those great, the the great performance that he had the other night, he'd have to do it like three times in the finals for them not to give it to Giannis. So I think your Chris Paul thing, the narrative is great because people want to give it to him if the Suns win. So I never won
1: an MVP, never won a finals, never been to a finals. That's where I'm at. I mean, it might be Gallinari or Chris Dunn at some, point. a few more injuries. I mean, it's just crazy. It's, I don't know that that market will be interesting. So I, I don't know uh, you know how to exploit that, but there might be you know something crazy out there with value. I don't
4: know. Yeah, I was gonna say this is like the you know a soap opera, like the Days of Our Lives, but you're right. This is more like The Wire. Don't get too comfortable with your favorite player because uh, next episode something something's gonna happen. Uh, okay, I showed that uh, headline from Point Spread Weekly where you talked about uh, you, you like the Clippers tonight. I would be remiss if I didn't touch on the other little headline there, which had to do with football. You're on the Steelers under explain, sir.
1: I just kind of think it's over. I think their, their record last year was pretty fraudulent. If you go through the quarterbacks, they'd be, it's a lot of Jake Luton and uh, Daniel Jones, RG three. Remember that crazy Wednesday game a few weeks before Christmas against the Ravens when the Ravens didn't have anybody. Um, it was Driscoll for the Broncos. It was, um, you know, Carson Wentz. They just, they, they feed on a, a really bad schedule, a fortunate schedule. I think as the season went on, you saw you saw Ben's age. I think the offensive line is really under reconstruction. Um, you know, I just think it's a team in transition where they're just, you know, it, it, that number looks a little high to me. I, I think you have to worry about Ben playing 17 games. I don't know if he's in you know the best shape. It's just a, it's just an odd team where they couldn't run the ball. They didn't have a deep passing game. Uh, To me, it's just a team in transition. The division's really good. I mean, the Ravens and Browns, the Ravens are always good. You know, the Browns, both those teams want a playoff game. You figure the Bengals will be more competitive with Burrow, hopefully staying healthy for a full year. Uh, And again, that's a first-place schedule. So I I, I think we saw Pittsburgh down the stretch. They lost four out of their last five, and their only win was against that Colts in that crazy game. They were down 24-7 in the second half. They got some fortunate calls, and that was their only win in in the, uh, the month of December. So I think that's more of the team they are going forward.
4: Yeah, and they, they cut DeCastro, their, their standout offensive lineman, uh, David DeCastro, and then picked up Trey Turner. But that kind of went under the radar with people too, right? It was sort of like uh, not everyone saw that coming. So you wonder if that uh, that flip of players is a positive thing or not. Uh, but they started out at the Bills. There are a couple home games that, you know, if you're going to have any kind of season, you've got to beat the Raiders and the Bengals at home. But then it's at Packers. Uh, the Seahawks lurk a couple weeks later before their bye so there there's six games before their bye i guess what i'm getting at is you know the old the old abstract tone setter to the season there are three games there that are probably losses people might argue with me about the home game against the Seahawks they better win the other three of those to have any kind of season because otherwise you're probably right right it's t- it's 2 and 4 out of the gates and then at the browns right after the bye so it could get ugly pretty quickly with them. I hate to do the schedule win-loss-win-loss win, loss thing, but that looks that looks uh, dangerous anyway.
1: It feels good to even just look at the schedule. You think it, uh, tomorrow's July 1st. We're uh, not that far away from preseason. We got like eight, eight or nine Sundays till football. I even love the preseason because I'm a, a bit of a weirdo. I think it's just a good vibe when you got those uh, preseason games. It's the sign of what's to come. and should be a lot of fun. It's right around the corner. I can't wait.
4: Do you bet preseason? Are you one of those?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Nothing crazy, nothing big, but I'll dabble. I'll see what's on the table. I don't, you know, it's hard to find edges. You're more, more so playing the quarterbacks. My angle is always, and this is, and I don't know how profound this is, but I try to look for some of the scrambling quarterbacks with the backups. Cause I think, you know, late in those games, a lot of the, the football is just bad. The tackling's bad. The easiest thing for, to do is have these athletic quarterbacks who can just take off and run for six or seven yards. That's an advantage to some of these games. But to me, it's more fun than anything.
4: Um, you're not betting. Uh, you're not betting the Olympics or Euro Cup 2020, are you by any chance? We did. The reason I ask is Jason and I had a Olympics clip uh, yesterday that got way more views than we could have possibly <laughs> imagined. So we're doing a little survey this morning. Like, are people really betting? Are people interested in the Olympics? Are you one of those, or no, not at all?
1: Nothing for me in the Olympics. Yeah. The Euros nice in the morning to have a little sweat. Sometimes I'll just throw some on, on an under or draw just to have something to watch, but nothing crazy.
4: All right, hang out if you would, Will, for for five yeah, more absolutely. minutes. Absolutely. Uh, I'll ask you about your. Baseball plays of the day because uh, you, as you told me this morning, you've always got a few of those.
1: Always got a few in the buck, absolutely.
4: Yeah, Giants let me down last night, lost three to one. Let me down the night before, lost three two to the Dodgers. So it's uh, it's been a uh, not a fun two days for me. But we'll find out what you have in baseball. Uh, William Hill at not the Will Hill. That's V uh, with two E's on Twitter. Not the Will Hill. Kind enough to join us this morning on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander. With basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions, must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada, Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call 1 800 522 4700. It's Gil Alexander. Will Hill, kind enough to wake up early this morning to join us on a numbers game. Point spread weekly contributor. You can follow him again on Twitter at not the Will Hill. That's the with two E's. Uh, Will, before we get to your uh, your Major League Baseball picks, uh, Mississippi State, after Vanderbilt rolls Mississippi State in the first game of the, uh, the College World Series game. Uh, Final. Then Mississippi State comes back, dominates Vanderbilt, and we have the game three decider where uh, the spread right now is Vanderbilt minus 125, Mississippi State uh, minus 105, total at eight. You have thoughts?
1: Wow. I, I saw Vandy as a bigger favorite. That line move. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, if you, if you follow me on Twitter, i forget afraid if it was on Twitter or point spread weekly, I gave out Vandy plus 400 to win the whole thing a couple weeks ago. So I'm thinking a hedging and just taking Mississippi state plus one and a half, maybe hit a middle. I might just leave it alone. I do lean Vandy in the game, so I might just leave it alone. Uh, they're pitching rocker tonight. Going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. I believe that's been confirmed. It's Four days rest for him. He pitched Friday. Now, remember, in college, they usually get a week off. So this is technically short rest, but four days. I believe Corbin, the uh, the Vandy manager, Vandy coach, said that he'd be good to go. Mississippi State not as unfortunate. I don't think Bednar's their best pitcher, but he would be on three days rest, so maybe out of the bullpen, they could get something out of him. But I just think Vandy's pitching is in much better shape than Mississippi State at this point. Remember, Mississippi State had to play Friday, Saturday. Vandy, and then again, of course, Monday and Tuesday, Vandy got the buy on Saturday, saved lighter, really helped them in terms of the pitching with that uh that controversial. Uh, I guess they called it a no contest for NC State, so. I like Vandy here. I think they'll win this game. Um, if, if you haven't watched these, if you're a baseball fan and you haven't watched I, college bas- college baseball, I can't recommend enough. These games are fun. Now these first two have been blowouts, but it's just, it's a fun viewing experience. Uh, they, they mic up the umps. You get some hot mics. It's it's really, it's intense viewing that these kids are really passionate. And uh, I kind of wish they would market this sport better. It's never going to be obviously college basketball, March madness, but these tournaments are fun. These games are fun and not uh, check it out. If you like baseball.
4: Always said, I wanted to go to Omaha for the college world series. Don't know. <clears throat> don't know how that's going to end up happening, but I, I've always wanted to do that. Uh, today, major league baseball. It is, you know, your, your daily Matt heart. It, it's the day where Matt Harvey and Jake Arietta pitch. So there's always fade opportunities. Shohei after hitting two homers last night, uh, he's got the start for the angels. You going on either of those games or you going elsewhere.
1: Um, I got the Rockies. I think Gray, Gray's a guy I have a weird thing for. I, I really like him. If I were a team, I would trade for him. Now, I know his home b- numbers are better than his road numbers, which is strange pitching at cores. You would think the other way around, but he's got really good stuff. He pitched well last time, 10 strikeouts against the Brewers. Uh So I'm betting Colorado today. They've actually been really good at home versus on the road, like a, a extremely stark difference. They're actually a good team at home. I uh, usually don't see these. Uh, dramatic of a split in, in Major League Baseball. That's more of like an NFL or you know college football thing where you see uh, see these dramatic home road splits. So I'm going with the Rockies here. They've been a good home team, and the Pirates are just awful.
4: And the Minnesota Twins will showing some life, I suppose, after a really tough start to the season. Uh, have, on a good stretch, anyway, right now. You like them as a slight dog at Chicago today.
1: Yeah, I bet Faden fading cease. I just thought he was off to a hot start, but I didn't buy it. I've never been a huge fan of his. Um, his spin rates are way, way down, and which is a whole other thing. Is, is trying to parse what's real and what's not with this season, with the spin rates and the ball. It's just adds so many variables to it. But I like this pitcher for the Twins. He's a six nine, six ten guy. And he doesn't throw very hard, so I think there's a lot of deception. You see a guy that big at that kind of arm angle, you're expecting the ball to come in 100 miles an hour. He's really like more of a low 90s guy, so I think there's a lot of deception. Uh, tough to pick up the ball with him, so I do like Minnesota here.
4: And you have a total uh, the Jays and the Mariners. It's Sheffield against Mats. Toronto, a prohibitive favorite, but as I said, you're going with the total here. Which way are you going?
1: Yeah. I like the over there. That's a tiny ballpark in Buffalo Salem field. Uh, Sheffield's got some really bad numbers. He's been hit hard. He's been hit hard on the road. That's a, a vicious Blue Jays lineup. I don't think they have enough pitching, especially in the bullpen to really you know make it through October to October. I know they picked up a reliever yesterday, so that's a good start. I don't know if they'll go all in for a guy like Scherzer, but that's a really fun team. They're athletic. They can hit. they got a lot of power, deep lineup, so I'm going the over there.
4: Will, I appreciate it, man. Let's do this again, and next time I won't even drink. I'll be sober doing it. How about this that? This
1: was fun, Gil. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Check out the column. See you guys. Thanks.
4: Look at that. And a plug at the yeah, thank you, Will. Appreciate it. Will Hill, right, everybody, at not the Will Hill on Twitter. Check him out. Great having him on the show this morning. Uh, you can find him all over the network too, making great guest spots. Lombardi Line has him on a lot as well. Uh, we'll come back. Josh Towers. Uh oh, what's he gonna say? Uh, Josh Towers on baseball. I got a question about the trade deadline for him. We'll do that next on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. to a numbers game
3: with Gil Alexander.
4: We have a new feature on VEASAN.com. Every day we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in the major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game. Check this info daily to find out which games are seeing the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games to help you find a betting edge. And of course, we've got all the odds, data, and analysis for every game as well. Start your next sports bet at VEASAN.com. That's vsin.com. It's Gil Alexander. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, this gentleman is a vsin host, and he's a former Major League Baseball pitcher, played with the Blue Jays, the Orioles, and, of course, the New York Yankees. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Josh Towers. How you doing, Josh? Morning, Gil. How are you, buddy? I'm doing very well. Um, we don't like to uh, speculate about off-the-field stuff, but you sent me the, uh, the Trevor Bauer stuff this morning. Um, and this sort of dovetails into the question I was going to ask you about you know, the, the MLB trade deadline is coming up at the end of July. And, yeah. you know, people can say what they will about baseball, and, and much of it is justified, which is, you know, sloggy start to the season with no run production. Now they're sort of changing the rules on the fly or or at least cracking down on stuff on the fly. And the heat is coming in, so now everybody's hitting homers again. But the trade deadline sort of gives rebirth to stuff because then it, it then it shows you, all right, these teams aren't trying – you know, it's like, hey, fan base, sorry, the next two months we're not doing much. But then there are the teams who are going for it. It gets it gets super exciting at that point. What are the teams? And and so the Trevor Bauer thing plays into it because I'm like, well, let's say they did. Let's say the Dodgers did lose Trevor Bauer for some period of time. They could just reload, maybe not with a Trevor Bauer. But, I, you know, I think people forget that about, like, with the Giants, for instance. They're like, well, the Giants, it's not sustainable. Yeah, but they can address the issues at the trade deadline. So I guess the question is not even about Trevor Bauer, but it just triggered the question. What, what are the teams that leap to mind for you that if someone's looking at the futures market right now, you think they could sort of get catapulted by one or two moves? Uh,
6: it, it's kind of weird because there's actually a couple. Um, I think the Yankees are one of them. Crazy. I mean, they're in fourth place, but I think they're one of them. They need, geez, really maybe just one piece. Um, I think to sustain at Boston is another one. Uh, we're not going to see, I don't think we'll see Cleveland do anything. So they're just going to have to base it off of the way they're coached. Um, yeah, those two teams aren't aren't going to do it. anybody in the NL East. Like, honestly, like I know the net are the Miami's falling back a little bit at 33, but with, with what happened to Atlanta's pitching and then obviously losing Ozuna, I think they're one to two pieces away. Like they were before when they made those trades from the And I think green in the bullpen, um, they're that close as well. That whole division's close. So, again, what what are the Nationals lacking? What is Philly's always lacking pitching? But I don't think they're smart enough to go get it. Uh, so, the Nationals and, and, and the Braves are definitely on that list. Um, and then again, the Cardinals always go make big moves, but they make big moves the wrong way. If they were to get smart uh, and, and go grab some pitching or if the Cincinnati Reds were willing to go get a back end as well, maybe two of those pieces, I think both those teams don't play. So there's a lot of teams around baseball that I think are that close. Uh, it's just whether they're willing to do it or not.
4: Well, let's, let's throw up some division odds because the Cardinals are 10 to one in the central, but throw up if you would, Jason, those NL East odds again, because Josh was talking about the nationals and the Braves. First of all, by the way, the Soroka, re-rupturing his Achilles tendon, dude. As someone who has ruptured two tendons 20 years apart, different legs, the re-rupturing of of either is like the worst nightmare of any of us who have popped an Achilles. And so when I saw that story, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, that is the worst possible luck. I feel so bad for that kid. Uh, The Braves, though, to our betting point, are 7-1 to to win the NL East. They are, uh, they are well, a handful of games back in the M- in the uh, NL East. I'll tell you exactly. Yeah. They are uh, they're exactly four and a half back, at least according to this. Let me let me uh, refresh and see. Uh, yes, it is uh, it is in fact the uh, the Braves who are five and a half back, but the Nationals are three back. They are on a surge. They're one game above five hundred, and they're at plus seven fifty. Uh, three games back of the Mets. Would you, and obviously Kyle Schwarber just is just insane right now, 16 homers in his last 18. Every time on primetime action, we look up at a screen, he's rounding the bases. We're like, is this live? Good Lord. Um, Plus 750, would you take a stab at that?
6: Hey, Sometimes that change of scenery is really good for us. Uh, Yeah, No, listen, I like them from the beginning. I definitely like their over total when we started the season. They started off horribly. They're playing good baseball. They're finally getting the rhythm, kind of like what you – said during the intro uh i don't mind it i think that they are a team that would go find a piece they're very aware of what they need having won a couple years ago uh and an understanding of what they have so i do think that that's a team that would probably go get something so yeah i I don't i don't mind that um at all and that's the other thing dude talking about this coming into the play that shows you the importance of spring training it shows you the importance of letting guys play and actually get working during spring training like we call it mid-season form for a reason where it starts to heat up I mean, if you look at my career numbers, I'm sure in April when it was zero degrees, I think I was like two and 13 or something. And then it gets a hundred degrees and I love the way, like the way
4: I'm going to look There's it up. A lot of a, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to look it up.
6: Yeah. Don't say it out loud. Yeah. Um, and then that's the other thing, too, is, is without having a minor league season, a real minor league season to start this, without having me having to earn anything, and then it, it basically um, a, a, a baby spring training where we have a lot of days off and we don't play too much, like, it really sets us back, and I don't think people understand that. And now we're getting into, like, all right, there's rhythm now. Everybody's getting into rhythm. we played. We've had at-bats. We've had starts. Uh, again, there's a minor league system where I can be demoted or rewarded, and, and it changes the game of baseball a little bit. It's very important for us.
4: Slate, full slate tonight. Uh, as I said yes. earlier, a couple pitchers who have not been good, the Matt Harveys and the Jake Arrietas of the world on the slate, um, among others. What do what you like? What are you betting today?
6: There's no more good prices on Matt Harvey, so I apologize to everybody for that. Uh, I know that Jake Arietta has not pitched one game this year where he did not give up a run, so that's never exciting. But this Ashby kid is not going to go deep. He walks more people than humanly possible, I thought. Um, and I'm not really quite sure why he's starting this game as the call-up. So I'm on the Cubs today at plus money. Again, they're not playing well. The Brewers are rolling. I get all that, but I just you can't put too many guys on base, and they're going to quick hook them. I think so. I, I favor the Cubs at plus money. I thought the Rockies line was favorable today. I mean, they're they're, they're rolling. Marquez dominated yesterday. It was great. Um, Gray's pretty dang good as well. So I like the Rockies. I think it was like in the 150 range as well. Um, not sure the prices, but the Indians should be favored in both of those games. And then Aaron Nola coming off that game versus the Mets. Uh, I kind of like him a little bit. And then I don't know if I'll bet it, but I'm super excited to watch Shohei dominate tonight in New York.
4: Yeah, that should be fun. Again, after a two-homer night last night for him. So just to clarify, because you threw in Cleveland. I'm not sure if you meant to say Cleveland. Uh, you, yeah. like, you like the Cubs <laughs> and you like Colorado. Did you mean to say Cleveland?
6: Yeah, I think they should be favored in both. It's something to look a little bit more in depth at.
4: Okay. Um, Colorado, you and Will Hill have that in common. He is on the Rockies as well. Rockies right now priced, as you said, just north of minus 150. Uh, John Gray on the Hill against Cool for the Pirates. Josh, always appreciated, man. Thank you so much for the time. Talk to you soon, buddy. Josh Towers, everybody. You can follow him on Twitter at NoDon'tJosh. That's where you can check him out. Coming back, Dan Weston, global tennis expert for tennis ratings. Get his thoughts. On an injury-riddled, very unpredictable, well, not very unpredictable, but definitely a tournament with its share of upsets already. Wimbledon next on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Zumo play.
4: Welcome back to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Turn a $1 wager on the Clippers or Suns into 100 with BetMGM. If either team hits a three, just use the bonus code Visa to 100 When you sign up for the king of sports books and get ready for showtime, download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details and make sure to use promo code Visa 100 New customer offer, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. It must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C. or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800- 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. one 800 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, caller or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call one eight hundred nine with it Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Skill Alexander, we, uh, we're watching uh, Wimbledon. We have screens on in the studio. Uh, Nick Kyrgios and Ugo Bair are uh, in a fifth set and uh, Umber, two points away from winning this, and Kyrgios is uh, losing his mind, as is, as is the case with Nick. Um, but he slipped also moments ago, and obviously we're coming off the heels. We were mentioning earlier of the Serena injury yesterday on the baseline and, and her withdrawal. Also, uh, Adrian Monterino had to withdraw from hurting his knee. His was, looked like a real uh, knee wrencher. But you're just watching this, and curios's talent is just off the charts like I just I'm trying to think of an equivalent in another sport where someone is so talented and can't get out of his own way like this guy, and I'm not sure there is I'm not sure there is. Let's bring in Dan Weston, ladies and gentlemen, from somewhere outside of London, England, uh, ladies and gentlemen, are you outside of London? I ask you this all the time. you're just outside of London, yes.
5: No, no, I used to live there. I, oh. I actually live in the north now near
4: Newcastle. In Newcastle. Okay, I'm sorry. Dan, I don't know if there's anything to to even respond to with what I was saying about curios, but it's it's a it, you know, this could go. I I'll tell you how my Wimbledon has gone so far and you can tell me how yours is. Uh, I've won my uh, first of all I haven't bet that many matches. Like I've really yeah. kept it very small. And I've won a couple on on set lines Tiafo Uh, and uh, also Stroof yesterday, luckily got there, almost didn't, but did. Uh, But then the ones that could have made this like a really good tournament for me, anything that is like it was in the balance have all gone against me. So I had Rinderknecht, you know, five-set tiebreaker after it goes to 12-12, the new Wimbledon rules. Um, And then I had Zapata Miraias who was up two sets to one, the match gets suspended. And I have no way of, you know, I don't know if he would have won if they had just continued the match. But when you go to the next day and you restart something, it was like two brand-new players today. And so yeah. it's it's frustrating in that way, I guess. How about you? How about you?
5: Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the whole difficult situation of it because maybe it wasn't the case this time, but sometimes you might even pick a player to oppose because you think that their the, 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 the fitness of, could be an issue. And then, obviously, they get a second wind almost from match being suspended overnight. And, you know, the, the Gallimore feast match now is now into a third day. Third and, day.
4: <laughs> yes. So yeah. we're, we're, I got a bunch of I'm going to go through tweets later. But one of the questions that we'll rehash that, that was, you know, was is a very reasonable question, which is, why does Wimbledon do that where the matches that are suspended, instead of them being the first to go the next day, they keep their schedule, right? And they throw – the Monfils is a great example. Monfils went to the end of the day yesterday, so it was always a risk to be suspended again. And, of course, it was. And now Monfils, by the way, up a break in the fifth set, headed into a yeah, third exactly. day. Just oh, he just won. won. He just won. Beautiful, because I, I, yeah. I had some Monfils as well. Beautiful. So yeah. – but but that's a that's a valid question. Why do they insist on doing it that way?
5: It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. How we've got into a situation where Monfis has literally just finished a match uh, in, in third day. We've got women's first round matches that haven't even started yet. Yet Novak Djokovic has breathed into the third round and uh, has plenty of time to put his feet up. Now I mean, uh. it, it's it's nice if you're a big name, right?
4: Yeah, it is nice if you're a big name by the way the biggest thing that happened i guess for those of us who had Berrettini futures and again the only futures i have yeah. i have i have none on the lady side i can't remember a slam dan when the last slam was that i had none i had osaka but obviously she withdrew uh so that becomes a refund but i had Djokovic, because you have to have Djokovic on the uh, on the men's side and i had Matteo Berrettini. the isner loss today that's a little bit of a bump for my Berrettini future anybody who has Berrettini futures isn't it
5: yeah, that's absolutely huge, because the the real worry with a Berrettini future or a quarter-winner future, for example, as well, is that he was going to get drawn into uh, a serve-fest against Isna, which just goes down to tie-breaks and long long sets. You, we've, we've already seen that sort of 13-12 final set when they go to the tie-break in, in the match between Otto and Rundenech, and then that could easily happen again in the... Uh, well, perhaps not looking at the current score in the the current service game, but between Kyrgios and Humbert, I wouldn't have been surprised if if that had happened as well. And and we don't want that for a future. We 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 want as low a variance as possible. And in Isna against Berrettini is going to be high variance because both of them are excellent servers. And and if if they were going to have played each other, then it would have been a match where there was going to be very very few break points, a lot of tie breaks, and and just. Looking for, yeah, the odd, odd break point, the odd key point where the fine margins are going to kick in. So, by by isn't illusion losing today, That's really improved. I think that that Berrettini outright position.
4: I hope so. Obviously, Djokovic lurks, but uh, Berrettini. I, I would agree. That was that was a big bump. Let me just say this because uh, you just did. You just dressed it, but you don't want high variance guys. Curios uh, has three chances to break Umber here. Yeah. Now he's he squandered the first one. I don't. He squandered the first, but he didn't get it in the first one. But he has he has a couple a couple more chances. Nick Curios is so so unbelievably talented and you do, there is part of your brain, right? There's part of your brain that's like, boy, oh, boy, if this guy just decided, you know what? I'm going to be normal. And he has said out loud, right? He has said out loud. He's changed, changes the person. He's trying to be a better person. I think the pandemic, you know, uh, caused him to think about things differently. But you see something like this, and you're like, well, if he got by whom Bear, which is one of these, you know, first round matchups that you had to stay away from because he could have gone either way, and, and obviously it's manifesting that way. But do you, does the other part of your brain just kick in where you just, any notion of that, you're like, I can't. It's just, it's, you'll, you'll hate yourself for doing it.
5: <laughs> well, we know how talented he is. I mean, that, that's not the debate at all. It's whether he can kind of mentally focus over seven best best-of-five-set matches, which is the real problem. Uh, and, and historically, that's been a struggle for him. Upside-wise, in terms of his high ceiling, he's got the game to beat anyone, I think. Uh, but it's just putting that together and harnessing it over two weeks, which is the, the real issue. Um, I think it's also quite quite prudent to, to point out that he hasn't played a tournament since February of this year, yeah. and he's barely played since since the COVID started in in yeah February or so in, in 2020. So, you know, he's, he, he's he's very, very rusty. He's played two tournaments since February 2020. That's the problem as well. And so, you know, best of five, haven't played a long five set up. Obviously, the first four-ish sets were played yesterday and then and the rest today. Um, that's probably a bit of an issue as well in terms of fatigue and, and lack of match practice as well. So I, I, I'd, I'd like to see him do well because I think it would really shake things up. But I I just, do
4: too. I just well, he breaks Umber on the third try. So we sh- we'll see if he gets out of this one. Obviously, a uh, Kyrios on serve is one of the most dangerous things in tennis. What do you like for those, that, uh, for those matches on the, on the men's and ladies' side that have not begun today? Uh, let's give some folks some things to bet on. Who do you like?
5: Yeah, so a few little picks. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if Oscar Otter gave a a better account of himself against Andy Murray than a few people think. But I'm a bit worried about the long, long match uh, that is kind of a bit of a massive concern. Uh, I I quite like Sunil Kwan against Dominic Kupfer in one of the later matches. I think it's going to probably end up being the last match on today's and it wouldn't surprise me probably if it rolled over to tomorrow. Um, he's an underdog and sort of on, on, in quicker conditions, which aren't grass, which is what we have really a sample of. He's got better numbers than First, so I think that the corn looks a decent shout uh, at just above even money. And then in the women's, uh, well, the match got held over from yesterday, which I, I have. Um, Emma Raducanu is an underdog against Vitalia Diachenko. Raducanu is a Brit; she's got quite high, high upside. Actually, her numbers at ITF level, are pretty solid. And um, Diachenko's pretty much a part-time player these days, but but has probably a bigger reputation. So, Raducanu uh, underdog price seems reasonable, uh, and then. There's a match where I'm a bit torn between Jessica Pegula uh, and Samsonova from Russia, who who did really well a couple of weeks ago in Berlin, winning the tournament as a qualifier. Um, but the market, I think, has overreacted to that a little bit. Uh, and they're saying the grass, you know, she's won a tournament on grass that that counts for a lot. But Pegula is a much better hardcourter than Samsonova, and, and I think that the she should be favourite for that.
4: Okay, so let me let me Dan, don't be offended. I'm going to do the English to English translation for those <laughs> listening because they're like, well, Gil, you're going to have to repeat those because uh, obviously the names are difficult to begin with. So any any sure. any additional uh, layers to to understand. So uh, repeating on the men's side, Dan likes uh, Oscar Ote. He was the guy who beat Rinderknech in uh, in the five set tiebreaker. Um, after it was 12 to 12 and then went to tiebreaker in the five set. But he likes Oscar Ote against Andy Murray, uh, the two time Wimbledon champion from years gone by. Ote at plus 224. But again, voicing concerns as Dan did with, uh, you know, again, tread lightly on all. But he likes Oscar Ote at plus 224. Also on the men's side, Soon Wu Kwan about plus 141 over Dominic Kepifer. And then on the ladies' side, and, and again, be prepared that these matches might start late and go over to tomorrow. That's We can't control that. Emma Raducanu, R-A-D-U-C-A-N-U, about plus 138 over uh, Vitalia Diachenko. And then uh, what Dan finally said at the end, a a, a tepid like of Jessica Pagula, who uh, you think should be the favorite and is a slight dog. Is that the case? I haven't seen the price here. Let me much, yeah, yeah. Much, yeah. Okay.
5: Dan? But- Oh. the big caveat is the sample sizes are small. we have to tread it
4: real. Yes, yeah, so we should we should probably have started that. I've said it many times before it's there is no grass data folks. that's why we're all treading lightly. And Dan has done a great job which you explained earlier of taking indoor hardcore and trying to translate it. Um, we can only do what we can do with a with a short grass season and no data from the previous year. Dan appreciated as always.
5: No worries. Take care of offense.
4: That's what I'm Dan Weston, the best in the business in tennis. We'll hope to get him on next week again. Coming back, Jason Weingarten on baseball right here. 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 On baseball right here.
3: Zumo Play.